Hello and welcome back to our first episode of season 3 of NRI Women. The show where we chat with women of Indian origin living abroad who have inspiring stories to tell. We hope that in sharing their stories you will learn something new, be inspired, or just know that there are others who have walked in the same shoes as you before. I'm Nanora and I'm Bettina. We're excited to start off with a fantastic lineup of inspiring women and our first guest Shabnam Samuel from Frederick, Maryland, paves the way for the rest. She is a woman of many talents with a number of accomplishments under her belt. She's a writer, author, business coach, social media trainer, and a mum. She talks candidly about her life to us, about being raised by her grandparents after her parents divorced in the 60s in India at a time when divorce was unthinkable. Her life as an immigrant in America and how she's paying it forward. She's also been writing since a very early age with essays being published in major magazines. She joins us today to share her story, which currently also happens to be a memoir, A Fractured Life. I grew up in this little small town, Katak in Orissa. And believe it or not, at that point, a lot of people hadn't heard of Katak because I remember studying in Delhi and after I finished my bachelor's in Katak, I went to Delhi to do a course. And we would take, you know, all the colleges gave out at the same time. So we would take this train back, which started at Delhi and went all the way down to the south. And Urissa was the, one of the stops. And, you know, it was like a 32, 36 hour journey. And we'd all be in the compartments. And where are you getting off Katak? Where is Katak? Is that in Kerala? You know, we, we heard these questions growing up. And of course, you know, for a teenager, that was like, oh, my God, I don't want to tell anybody where I'm from. Those words don't tell anyone where I'm from, had their roots in a much bigger problem for Shabnam, the feeling that she did not belong. I grew up with my grandparents, my mother's parents. So my grandfather was, you know, absolute Indian who who worked for the British Army, but he was very British in his ways and his thinking. And then I had a grandmother, she's actually an Assyrian, which is actually the first um, first culture of, of, of our universe um, but she did live in Russia um, so you know when you grow up in a little town where you have a grandmother who wears a dress has blue eyes you know wraps her head in a scarf and she goes out you stand out I mean I think other than a couple of uh, uh, British teachers that we had way way back there was nobody who was non-Indian there um, so it stood out she would come to to our school, people would stare at her. Um, she'd take a rickshaw, you know, and, and go somewhere to the market or something and people would stare at her. So, but nobody was cruel. It was just that she looked different. So we, you know, that was enough of standing out by itself. And then of course, you know, in the sixties, I grew up in the sixties, all my friends had parents, you know, they all came to drop their kids off or pick them up. Uh, but here I was with, you know, these two old grandparents, where are your parents? I couldn't tell them where they were. So yeah, I did stand out, it was different. And I didn't like that at all. Because that kind of, as much as I wanted to fade into the background, uh, with this, this was concerned, even though I wanted, it was like living a dual personality, I wanted to tell them. But at the same time, I didn't want that attention. So I would like fade into the background and but I stood out. So it was it was difficult. Shabnam was three when her parents divorced and she was sent to live with her maternal grandparents in Katak, Orissa. 
It was here that she grew up, and the only family she knew were her grandparents. It was evident to her, as it was to others around her, that hers was not a typical family unit, and when Shabnam was around eight or nine, she was legally adopted by her grandparents, thus making it a reality for her that this would be the only family she would have. It it made me confront what I was running from. Um, you know, I never addressed the fact that, you know, I never addressed the fact to myself or to the public that, you know, yeah, you know, I hated seeing my mother on the streets with two other kids or I, I, you know, so many emotions came out of it. You know, I would watch them go into this restaurant next to our house, you know, my mother and her new family. I'm like, why can't I be there? But I couldn't go tell my grandmother, how come, you know, those two kids get to go and I don't get to go? Why am I sitting on a windowsill and just watching them? Shabnam bottled all that she was feeling inside. She could not understand why she couldn't have a normal life like everyone else did. And the others couldn't understand why she rebelled so much and wasn't more grateful for what her grandparents did. The reality of it was that Shabnam was still a child and longed to be acknowledged and loved by a mother. And no one else in the world could replace that. And so, life carried on in silence, with more questions, fewer answers and growing chasms. You know, I kind of lived my life, but it was like I was a spectator. I had no part in anything. Where we went, what we did, nothing. I went to Delhi to study and I did a course in advertising and public relations. Um, did it for two years and got this amazing job with the Times of India group. You know, they came to our campus and recruited me out of there. And so I was thrilled with life. And Delhi was always where I wanted to live. You know, I loved the lifestyle, the Kolapuri chapels, the this and the that, and all of the things that you have in your head in late 70s and 80s. Um, but uh, so I went, I started, I think it was my second day. Um, I got I got a telegram from my, those days there was you know either there was no phones so I got a telegram saying you need to come home so then I called and you know called a neighbor's house and then my grandfather came he says you cannot work in Delhi you have to come back uh, you know it's not a safe place and this and that and 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 I don't know why I didn't fight him too much on this. Maybe I was afraid I wouldn't be able to survive in Delhi because I was this, you know, small town girl who, you know, didn't have the right clothes or didn't have the right um, attitude to go with living in Delhi. Um, so I was a f maybe I gave in too easily, and um, so I I came back. I left that internship and came back. And um, I sat at home for about a year, did a little German. And then there was an ad in the news, local uh, newspaper in Orissa saying there was an advertising agency opening up and they were looking for a copywriter. Um, I applied and um, I got the job. It was at this job that Shabna met her husband, Arun. He owned the agency, was creative and had so much going on in his life that was completely different to the life that Shabnam knew. It was the kind of life Shabnam craved for, freedom to do what she wants and live life on her terms, so much so that when he proposed marriage, she accepted, thinking his carefree life would be hers. She married against her grandparents' wishes. Arun was much older than her and more importantly, came from a different faith. But to Shabnam, this was her way out and she was going to take it. 
So did Shabnam get the life she imagined? I married into a family that was staunch Hindus. And, you know, they were so staunch that uh, even you know, forget about meat or eggs or anything, even garlic wasn't allowed into the house. Um, and so that was a culture shock to me because I, as a kid, you know, I wasn't allowed to go spend time with my friends. So I didn't know things like this existed. Um, so that was a huge culture shock for me. So for me, um, I just went along with that because I ha I didn't know what else to do. I didn't have the support of my family to fall back on, uh, none of those things. So I just blended in with, again, with a new family who did X, Y, and Z. Then came an unexpected opportunity for Shabnam to move to America with her husband. And nothing was more synonymous with the land of freedom and opportunity than America at that time. So we came here about 30 years ago. And for me, uh, the decision I, I made to come along with my then husband was, you know, I thought America was the land of freedom, that I could do anything I wanted to do. Uh, nobody would stop me. Being a girl didn't matter. Being a divorcee didn't matter. Nothing mattered. Um, I was proved so totally wrong when I came here 30 years ago. Um, nobody told me, yeah, you want to go, your degree won't be accepted there. You have to go do, you know, some kind of course in the States. Nobody told me how much it would cost. Nobody told me if I applied for a job, you know, they would say, oh, you don't have any experience. Or if I went somewhere, oh, you don't have a degree from here. And then end of the 25, 26 years uh, I was married, it was always, you know, we'd go to social functions, we'd go to conventions with the community, we'd do everything. But you know, back home, we never even talked to each other. We would come in, he'd go his separate way, I would go my separate way. And, you know, thinking back now is, why do we have to live like this? Who are we afraid of? And why aren't we being true to ourselves? You know, are we afraid of people judging us? Are we afraid of people saying, you know, oh, how ridiculous, everybody's marriage is not perfect. So again, it's, it's a question of perception and how much you as an individual want from life. Uh, for me, I knew I wanted a lot of things from life and not in terms of, uh, you know, monetary values or, you know, a big house or this, you know, I'd love all of that. But for me, it was just expressing myself because when you grow up not being able to say who you are uh, or, or, or prove your lineage, that becomes doubly important. But saying that at the same time, I guess it was how my body and my mind was conditioned while growing up. I came from one silent home and I went into another silent home that I created on my own. So, uh, you know, I could have said something to my husband, but I didn't. I also, you know, that's who I was. You don't talk about things, you withdraw, you keep it to yourself. And that's, you know, that's what I did. So, you know, I, I, I contributed in creating this silence around me also. Shabnam soon realized that neither marriage nor America could give her the life she wanted. Instead, she built a life that paralleled her childhood, only this time she was the creator, and yet figured how to burrow her way out of the life she had built. So those things I always kept inside of myself, and I realized after I started writing these notes, you know, it'd be evening after work, um, I would just, you know, type away. And for me, it was like some kind of a therapy, I guess, because I've never really... Uh, been in therapy of any kind or anything so for me just writing them was like a catharsis you know 
getting it out of my system and it helped um and my first husband arun had just passed away also in in 2009 so for me there was you know there was guilt mixed into it uh there was did i do the right thing did i you know should i have done this should i not have done that so all of that and um, combined uh for me the only way to express myself was to write because at that point i you know i hadn't none of my friends or my cousins or anybody knew about my life so i couldn't go pick up the phone and say hey you know listen this 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 happened and like what you've been married 25 years and we've known you for 30 years and you never told us this so i had nowhere to go it was just the writing that helped me that writing helped shabnam more than she could imagine she found the freedom she was looking for and it came in the form of her memoir a fractured life where her story was laid bare for everyone to read there was nothing to hide behind when i started writing when when the idea of the book came into my mind um you know there were two things that were important to me one was definitely my son you know not to write something that would uh, hurt him because we we we, ha- we have a very good relationship you know we've had you know like all mothers and sons you have your struggles he's seen the worst side of me you know it's because of him that i found like a beacon of coming coming out of where i was because he never gave up on me he could have easily and i've seen kids do that a mom's a mess i'm gone you know but he never did that um and you know he showed me what unconditional love is so i before i wrote the book i mean i had all my chapters but before i decided to say yes to the, to the publisher um you know i sat with him and i asked him how do you feel what would you feel so he said you know and he said mom you know artists write and something 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 painters paint and you're a writer you write you write your story that's your story you're entitled to tell it the way you felt it so he said don't worry about me i you know I-, i can handle it so he was number one so when he was okay then i was said okay and the other the other two people that i wanted to protect were my half siblings uh you know because i'm writing about their mother you know the the same person could have been a different mother to me but was a different mother to them so i didn't want them to feel that you know what are they what is she saying about my mother this is not true so i checked with them also and they they were okay with it so these were the three people that i needed you know i don't want to say approval but i needed to know they were okay knowing they were okay gave shabnam the confidence to know she would be okay too and that it was time to move on with her story and there was one more reason she felt compelled to share her story as a person as a woman as an indian as a mother i still feel hesitant with a lot of things um and but you know you can't expect magic to work overnight it comes slowly um my my book has said a lot um i you know when i started writing my book um when i started doing research for it i'm like you know i need to find a south asian voice who's talked about things like this and believe it or not there were just like two or three books that i found i'm like where are the other voices you know we're not perfect not all of us are perfect there has to be some trauma somewhere some now now having said that not everybody wants to talk about it i get that but how do others in our community or how do young women or you know somebody struggling somewhere finds that courage if it's not in in book and shabnam hopes others can find the courage or comfort they seek through her book her story and her life 
we we born you know as a as a society we are reluctant uh you know to say things about ourselves you know about a, especially a woman you know we don't like to talk about taboo subjects but you know in this day and age i don't think there's anything wrong with them what i would say is that you know always think of yourself as somebody who has the right to exist a lot of us diminish ourselves oh you know i'm a mother oh you know i'm a wife and you know no nobody should take anything away from you in the name of culture family name kids spouses or any other reason just just be who you are um you know let people accept you for for what you come with so how has shabnam's life changed after publishing her memoir and did it help mend any of her relationships within my circle of friends who knew me or friends who know me or or family is so you know me now you know these things that you never knew about me even though i've lived you know almost 5 decades um judge me a little less harsh you know don't say oh why does she do things like this or why is she saying this so maybe that will help because you know as as um i remember my uncles and aunts telling me why are you always so rebellious why are you doing this or so i hope after reading my book they kind of understand where my emotions are coming from uh that's for the people who know me and for the people who don't know me um i would hope um that that they get get some kind of solace or some kind of strength to find their own feet or their own voice uh i'm not saying go become a rani of jhansi and go you know take over the world but just little things just acknowledging that you know i don't have to sit in a room and cry all day or i don't have to take my car out and go on a drive so that my kids at home don't see me cry um i'm hoping somebody gets that message and um you know people have and a lot of lot of my uh lot of people who read my book have reached out and said you know i love this and thank you for this so 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 there's hope there i'm hoping there is people find hope in my book well um mending relation i really had no relationships to mend with anybody with my side of the family uh you know my mother and i will never have a relationship because uh, you know i don't know her she, she could be anybody and because uh, you know i was always kept away from her i i don't even address her as mom or mommy or whatever um so there's nothing to mend there she's just like another human being for me um so i've really never uh, my relationship with my cousins and and my aunts and uncles you know my cousins are amazing um and my nieces and nephews are just you know they just rally around me so with that side of the family i really had nothing to mend shabnam wants to pay forward the gifts she has received through writing she hopes to help others find their voice just as she has found hers She runs an international writing retreat which incorporates mindful living along with creativity and wellness following ayurveda principles with yoga, meditation and writing workshops. So I've always wanted to be a writer um, to go to a writers retreat somewhere or the other and I used to keep longing at these ones in Martha's Vineyard and this and that and it just you know everything was so not cost effective at all for me at that point and then i said you know let me look into doing something in india uh, you know india is a place that fascinates people uh, there's so much there to offer 
and for me it was also some way of staying connected with my home country and giving back if that makes sense because there was no other way i can give back you know i don't have dollars to go invest in a hospital or do this or do that um so for me that was it that was a little <clears throat> way of giving back so i researched it and i said you know let's just do this i i found a place um that hope could host it um so and that's what that's what i did i said okay i'm just doing this and that's how it came about Additionally, she also mentors and trains immigrant and refugee women with low income on how to become successful entrepreneurs. And finally, is she happy with her life? So, I think I'm finally, you know, to use one of our phrase, cool with who I am. <laughs> so, um yeah, I, you know, it 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 amazes me. I was in India a couple of months ago for my retreat in October. And uh, you know, I was this person for last 30 35 years of my adult life who just sat there and listened to people and uh, we were at uh, you know one of my there was a party going on and there was this discussion about the me too movement and everybody was getting passionate in this and that and so, and I was just sitting and listening and suddenly you know the conversation stops and this guy turns to me and says ma'am you wrote a book tell us what you think and I'm like oh but shoops sorry I'm like oh Somebody wants to listen to what I have to say. Finally, so you know, it it was a matter of a little pride for me also that people, uh, you know, think I have words to contribute, which was never the case. So for me, that has made a big difference as to how I perceive myself. Melinda Gates said, "A woman with a voice is, by definition, a strong woman." But the search to find that voice can be remarkably difficult. We hope the story inspires you to find your voice and give yourself permission to use your voice. I'm Bettina and I'm Nanora. Thank you for joining us today and we hope you will help the voices of our guests be heard by sharing this episode with your family and friends. We can be found at www.nriwoman.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just look for NRI Women. If you or someone you know has a story to share, please get in touch with us at hello at nriwoman.com or tweet us at nri_woman. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at nriwomanpodcast. Our featured fellow podcaster for this week is Boobies and Newbies, a hilarious podcast hosted by Kelly Reynolds that asks novice romance novel readers to think outside the dick in a box. You can listen to her podcast on the same platform as you listen to ours and she can be followed on Twitter at Boobies Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Kelly Reynolds and I'm the host of Boobies and Newbies, the podcast that asks novice romance readers to think outside the dick in a box. Join me for a new episode every Friday as we review romance novels with non-romance readers. From the sweet, loving fairy tale romances of the Highlands, who cares about up against the wall by the fruit trees? <laughs> yes. Like, where's the dragon? Inside the belly of a dragon. To the naughty erotic threesomes with navy seals. 
Sex was a 10. I mean, you cannot get any better than this book. Come okay, on, you guys. Good. Really. We read it all. Check us out at Boobies Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Listen to previous episodes on any podcast streaming platform. You can also support Boobies and Newbies on Patreon.com for lots of bonus booby content and early episode releases. This episode was edited by Dipti Shibish. New episodes come out every Monday, so make sure you subscribe. Until next time, keep learning, keep inspiring, and always be kind. Next week on Araya Woman. And this is the year of a end of a cycle and a beginning of a new one. Uh, so it is a very significant year. It's, you know, the year where you initiate new strategies, you start um, initiating new businesses, invest a lot, because it's going on to the next uh, cycle, which is 2020, which is a fabulous year. It's the year of the metal rat. But the year of the boss starts that process. So it's a very powerful, powerful year this year.